0: What's good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats guerrera He is Levin Black. What's up, Levin?
1: No, a lot. Glad we actually, actually have football to talk about instead of what is the latest around the water cooler, you know, high school drama stuff of the off season.
0: So don't say not a lot. Look, the training camp has started, man. The time for not a lot is over. There's tons happening. The day started on Wednesday with Trey Lance signing his contract. We got Kyle Shanahan talking. Jimmy Garoppolo met with the media. Nick Bosa was back on the field. And my God, does he look like a friggin' Greek god out there? I think he's somehow in even better shape than he was last season. There's a lot going on.
1: <laughs> There's just not a lot going on in my life. That's what I take when you ask, what's up? No one cares about <laughs> your life. You
0: only exist to entertain the thousands of people that download this podcast
1: each week. I, I'm just glad that we're recording right now so that everybody can bear witness forever how you treat me. Well, I'm great to you. What do you mean?
0: <laughs> Nobody. I haven't heard any complaints from anybody else.
1: Yeah, they don't do a podcast with you.
0: Sure they do. You're just a
1: producer for them.
0: I'm doing podcasts. I'm out there, baby. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to talk about some of the things Kyle said uh, yesterday, some of the things Jimmy said. And then we're going to get to a couple of training camp traditions that always drive me nuts because they seem to happen every year. One is the puff piece. That comes out every year. There's like a training camp darling that gets love from the 49ers press corps. It's usually an underachieving player who all of a sudden looks amazing. And everybody thinks is going to have a good year. And then the season starts and lo and behold, they're the same old player. They always were. So we're going to get to that and a couple other things like it. As we move along, let's start with the Trey Lance news, Levin. I know that that Akash and Kyle talked about it yesterday, but, I was legitimately starting to worry about whether or not it would get done. And hours before his first practice as a 49er, Trey Lance puts pen to paper and it's a done deal.
1: All's well it ends well, I guess. I don't know what took so long, but it doesn't really matter as long as he's there in time. It's amazing that the
0: Jets are having issues signing Zach Wilson, who's also represented by CAA. It just goes to me to show like, The 49ers knew they had to get this done. And I get that you want to try and win every deal. But sometimes you just don't need to be the smartest guy in the room. The contract is already tilted to your favor thanks to the rookie wage scale. Maybe you didn't get everything you wanted. But at the end of the day, you're still on the better end of this if you're the 49ers. So I'm glad to see that when push came to shove and the deadline was approaching, that they didn't try to get cute like the Jets seemed to be with Zach Wilson.
1: Yes and no. I mean, it it goes both ways. Neither side really has a whole lot of wiggle room. There's not a lot the player can demand, and there's not a lot a team can withhold, so to speak. Uh, They're pretty straightforward deals. I don't understand why anybody holds out anymore.
0: I guess the big thing with with Wilson, one of the things anyway, is the offset language and what that means if you don't know, basically. If the Jets were to cut Wilson, they want to make it so that Whoever signs him after that would have to pay essentially the whatever they pay. Wilson would get taken off what the Jets owe him. And obviously, if you're Wilson or any other player, you want it in the contract where if you did get cut before it was over and signed by another team, you get paid by both teams. Right. Anybody would want who wouldn't want that. Of course, you want to double dip if you can. But like if you're the Jets or you're the 49ers, let's say if you're cutting this quarterback before the end of his contract, you have much bigger problems than the fact that you might owe him a little extra money. Like that would be the absolute worst case. That's the disaster scenario. So why are you quibbling over this? It doesn't make sense for the jets to do it. And I'm glad the Niners are.
1: It goes the other way too, though. Like the whole time you're reading me that, because I knew Zach Wilson was holding out, but I didn't know what they were held up about. I was thinking, why the hell does Zach Wilson care? If he's confident in his abilities, What number two overall pick has ever been cut before his fourth year is over? Only the ones that were like complete jerks and like weren't dedicated to the sport. You know, I don't think Ryan Leaf made it four years. Granted, rookie contracts were different back then. But you know what I mean? Like you have to really screw up. You have to get into criminal behavior or just flat out basically be sitting there saying, I don't care to be that high of a draft pick and be let go before the end of the four years. So what is he worried about?
0: I'm sure it's his agent more than him, but the fact remains that like neither side should be worried about what happens if it gets cut. How about you worry about getting into damn camp on time and getting in? And that's why I'm so relieved that Trey Lance is there. It was awesome on Twitter seeing the videos of him on the field. He looks good. I mean, let's be honest, everybody looks good. They're not competing against anybody. They're kind of going through the motions. But it's just nice, Levin, to see these guys back on the field. They're throwing footballs. They're running around. It's just it's nice to have football back.
1: Yeah, I'm ready for real football, too, to really get the scrimmages going, to see who's looking good, who's not, which all of that should still be taken with a grain of salt in training camp. But, you know, actually seeing Trey Lance go against NFL caliber talent, that would be the first glimpse to see Trey Sermon and how well he does in traffic, which we won't truly get to see a whole lot because you don't get much footage from – training camp practices, but you get reports from reporters on who looked good, who didn't and things like that. So it, it, it's really your first chance to see rookies going against NFL players.
0: I'm going to be so locked into the 49ers preseason games. This year. like, I can't wait. Like I wish they were playing one this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we already got, you know, practice, training camp statistics tweeted out by people which always drives me nuts but i guess apparently jimmy and trey both look good yay congratulations but we did hear from jimmy for the first time since trey lance was picked pretty much and at least the first time since they've all been back together and jimmy was seemed a little more relaxed he dropped an f-bomb he dropped an s-bomb he's looking f- good man here <laughs> all these guys i mean we're all battling injuries and shit like that This was a little bit of a different Jimmy Garoppolo than is usually seen behind the podium.
1: If only he could drop bombs in the game. I'm just (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Accurate? (laughs) Not to get distracted, but (laughs) (laughs) no. That press conference, I think, went pretty much as well as you could possibly have hoped for Jimmy in terms of his demeanor, what he said about Trey Lance, that he's going to do whatever it takes to help him. You know, there didn't seem to be any real anger there at, you know, kind of like F this organization because now I know I'm not the future type, you know, attitude that you could have seen from him. Um, It was really just a a great press conference. You saw competitiveness in, you know, with the cuss words, the aggressive type attitude, but at the same time, you saw somebody that's going to be a team player regardless of how it ends up going.
0: Yeah. Even the last, I think it was the last question and basically, they were like, "Look, you kind of know that Trey's going to replace you someday, and are do you kind of hold certain like tips back because you know that he this guy's gunning for your job?" And I thought Jimmy's answer just came across really like authentic and casual, and he just said, "I think that stuff just, just comes naturally, and uh, it's not like I would ever hold something away from him, and you know, I don't want to tell him this type of thing. It's just." Uh, when you let it happen organically, and that's what kind of we've, we've done, I think that's when it's, at, it's most natural, and you can really build a normal relationship between two people. And so it's, um, yeah, I, wouldn't wanna, I don't want to draw a line anywhere or anything like that, but anything he needs, I'm willing to help him. It really does seem like Jimmy is not going to be like a pain in the ass, for lack of a better term. Like if he does have to mentor Lance, he seems like he'd be okay with that, and maybe part of the reason is because he's getting $24 million either way, but still,
1: that was cool to see. Right. Like I said, he went as well as you could have hoped for Jimmy. And, you know, they're doing all they can to make it seem like Jimmy is the guy. And that, and by they, I mean Jimmy. I mean Trey Lance. I mean Kyle Shanahan. And I mean all the veterans. Like, that was one of the things I took from the press conferences on Tuesday as well as today. Is the veterans were all talking up. you know, Jimmy's the guy we all know. Him at this point, we all know he's in the locker room and what he means, and you know, blah, 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 he's our leader. Uh, I find that kind of interesting.
0: I hope that's what they would say. I mean, you also had uh, George Kittle saying, hey, the quarterback competition is going to be great. So, like, I I just think that because of what Kyle Shanahan has built over these few years, there's a trust there from the team when it comes to him, that they feel like whoever he picks – they're going to be able to win with. They know they can win with Jimmy because they have already. And I think that they trust him like, hey, if this was the guy he traded up for and the guy he wanted, that he's going to be good either way. And I think that I really get the feeling from everybody that has spoken so far that they're like, that's going to work itself out. If we handle our business, we're going to be back in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, and it it is interesting. I think one of the, the things to watch is, and there's a difference between these two things, is Jimmy going to have to do something to lose the job or is Trey Lance going to have to do something to win the job? Because it's different. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo has to do something to lose the job, as long as he takes care of business, looks decent in training camp practices, does okay in his first quarter of playing preseason games, he's the starter no matter what. Or if it's Trey Lance winning the, winning the job, it means it doesn't matter what Jimmy does. It's just whether or not Trey Lance is ready.
0: I think it's a great question um from the reporting that we've seen before the year and just from some of Kyle's comments yeah earlier this week I think it's Trey Lance when he shows he's ready it's his job I think that not Jimmy cannot hold back Trey Lance I think if Trey shows he's ready to roll he's going to win the job um the whole team is set up from a salary cap perspective to have a rookie quarterback you know on that first year the first rookie quarterback deal so Even if Jimmy is what he's always been, I think once Trey shows it's his time, it's all him because they they kind of painted themselves into a corner
1: with the rest of the structures of all the deals, so they almost have no choice. Beyond this year, yeah. But this year, it's still an option. True. That's the interesting part of it. From what Kyle has said this week, and I I really don't honestly take a whole lot of weight into what a coach says going into a training camp because it's all bullshit anyways for the most part. But from what he said, it, it came off to me more as it's Jimmy's job to lose. If Jimmy looks good and is ready to go, Jimmy's going to be the starter until he does something to get replaced.
0: See, to me, I look at it the other way, because one of the things Kyle said on earlier this week was, if someone ever looks like they gave us a better chance to win, we'll make that decision. To me, that's him saying, as soon as Trey Lance looks good enough, it's his job um but you know it's one thing like you said to say it in July it's another thing if the 49ers are you know let's just say 5 and 1 something like that and Trey happens to look ready and it's like well we're 5 and 1 things seem to be going good there is the locker room component to consider and Kyle would have to consider all that when making a move especially like if they're 5 and 1 and he wants to make the move you better be damn sure Trey's going to come in and light the world on fire right away you need him to come in and and basically do what Colin Kaepernick did in that Monday night game against the Bears in his first start. Because if not, there's going to be a lot of questions in that locker room being like, dude, what the hell
1: are you doing? And I think that goes even for training camp. If Jimmy has done nothing to lose the job, if he's looked good in training camp and everything, and you replace him and Trey Lance looks like a rookie, uh, has some rookie struggles in that first game, that locker room is going to be looking and going, what the hell, you cost us a game. I think Jimmy has to do something, or the locker room, the other team team leaders, because I think it was uh, Kyle Uzcheck said this week that they're all really, really close. And he was talking about Jimmy and the rest of the guys that have been around. They're all super, super close. So I don't think you can really replace Jimmy until he's done something, even if it's something minor, like missed a read and missed an open guy. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be a reason there or you really run the risk of losing the locker room. And I don't think that – let me put it this way. If it's even, if Trey Lance looks like he's ready to go, but Jimmy Garoppolo looks really, really good too, I think they're probably going to stick with Jimmy until they need to make a change.
0: You might be right on that because I feel like it's easier if they're even to stick with Jimmy just because you could say he's got the experience. And then if you need to make a move, you can. Whereas if it's even and you go with Trey, people are going to be like, why the hell didn't you go with Jimmy Garoppolo? There's no going back.
1: Yeah, there's no going back. Once you make the Trey move, there's no going back, no matter how bad it is.
0: I agree. I don't think you should be flip-flopping. I don't want to see like what the Dolphins did with Tua Tonga-Vailoa last year where Ryan Fitzpatrick was cut. No, no, no. I agree with that 100%. Once you go with Trey, it's the Trey Lance era, and that's the end of that. And hopefully the 49ers don't get into sort of that kind of juggling act. Um, A couple other things I just am refreshed by. Like Kyle Shanahan was asked about Jalen Hurd. Did Jalen Hurd have a setback? And the first words out of his mouth were no, no, no. We've oh. never been able to say that about Jalen Hurd. Like, yeah. I'm just like finally hoping that we could at least see what this guy is. And maybe he stinks. I have no idea. But I really would like to be able to find out.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurd is, other than the obvious of Trey Lance, the person I'm most excited to see. You know, I'm more excited to see him than Trey Sermon. You know, Trey Sermon, he's a running back. I'm pretty confident in that position, even if. Trey Sermon isn't ready, even though I'm pretty confident he's going to be the guy that gets the ball the most out of the running back. Um, but Jalen Hurd is the guy I'm most interested to see because the little bit that we got to see in his rookie year it looked good. He scored those two touchdowns in a preseason game, and then we haven't been able to see him in almost two years from this point. So if he is for real, that is a huge difference maker on this team, in my opinion. You know, they were asked, uh, Kittle was asked, whether or not Jalen Hurd could be a tight end. And he said, if that's the move they want to make, we'll we'll welcome him to the room. Kind of said it in a way that was basically like he's capable of coming over and being a pass-catching tight end. So whatever way they want to utilize him, we're good with.
0: Yeah, that's what struck me too, is the way that the other guys on the team were talking about him. And this is something that Akash and Kyle brought up yesterday also. Like, we've seen Jalen Hurd in those preseason games, like you talked about. They've seen him in practice also. And the way they talk about him from a physical standpoint about what he's capable of doing, there's a lot of respect there for a guy that really hasn't done a lot in the NFL. Like for Kittle to say, like, yeah, he could come over and be a tight end. Like, that's really impressive to me. So it makes me kind of hopeful that maybe they do have something there with this guy, which would be amazing considering he had the back injury and the knee To get anything out of him at this point would be the cherry on top of the Sunday.
1: But I mean, the way they're talking him up, I'm excited. It is what it is. I mean, we've all talked about the potential of Jalen Hurd. I mean, it's a guy that was a thousand plus running back in college, starting over Alvin Kamara, and then went on to be a wide receiver and has the size to be a tight end. Like, he's really a unicorn out there. Like, what other people in this? In the nfl have been a very successful running back at a big school in college and then turned into a wide receiver but is also the size of a tight end you know like dk metcalf is the size of a tight end but he's just a wide receiver he's never really been a running back like jalen Hurd truly could be a a unique weapon in the nfl that nobody else has
0: it goes along with kyle shanahan's seeming desire to play positionless football You have Debo on the field, Ayuk, Kittle, Hurd. You could have – those guys could line up anywhere. They could line up as wide receivers. They could line up in the slot. They could line up in the backfield. I think ideally that's what he wants because I I can picture like an up-tempo offense, especially with Trey Lance, at quarterback, and those guys are literally on different plays in the drive, all lining up at different positions, especially with the new number system this year. The defense is not going to have any idea who the hell is playing what position – And if they're hurrying and going fast and Trey Lance can also run with the ball himself, I really feel like that is an offense that nobody is going to want to face.
1: Right. We've talked about it on this show that if everything breaks, right. You know, Trey Lance is the real deal. Jalen Hurd stays healthy. Brandon Ayuk stays healthy. Debo Samuel stays healthy. George Kittle stays healthy. You know, I say that because all of them have had injuries, (laughs) but if all that clicks, This could be an offense that is better than Kansas City's. It could be the top-scoring offense. I mean, two years ago, they were 29.9 points per game. They are a 30-point offense right behind Kansas City in that MVP Mahomes season. So this is literally a year that could be a Niners offense that sets the team record for points.
0: There's a question for you. Let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? If I tell you in the AFC that everything is going to break perfectly for every team, who do you think is the best team? Because I think the 49ers are in that conversation without question.
1: If everything breaks right, who's the best team in the NFC?
0: Yeah, like if everybody plays as good as everybody can play in the NFC, who do you think is the best team? It,
1: I think there's three options there. I don't think Green Bay's there. I don't I just don't think they're good enough all around. I think it is obviously Tampa because they did they won last year and Godwin really wasn't much of a factor, you know, and and uh Antonio Brown wasn't a huge factor either. Like if all those break right and Antonio Brown returns to his former uh his old form and Godwin is healthy, that's a ridiculous team.
0: <laughs> that's true.
1: The Niners I would put up there, I mean We know they had historic injuries last year, one of the most injured teams of all time. Last year, if they're healthy, we just talked about it. And if they're healthy on defense, that means D Ford is a freak again. Right. That means Nick Boza is a freak again. You know, that would be a ridiculously dominant defense to go with the offense. And the other one that I would put there is the Los Angeles Rams. Because if everything breaks right, Stafford's an MVP level quarterback. I don't think he's personally that good that good to be an mvp level quarterback but if it breaks right that is what he's going to elevate to and if you look at the weapons that he has around even with cam aker's injured now that defense could be ridiculous and the offense could be ridiculous
0: yeah i think those are the three honestly like even i think seattle will still be really good but i agree like I, their talent level is not on par with the other teams you mentioned dallas i i gave a little thought to but i just don't think their defense is good enough even though if everything clicks right their offense could be Could be a wrecking ball also, although Dak Prescott's already had an MRI on his arm slash shoulder because he's got a sore arm after one practice in the preseason. So uh,
1: it depends on what what you're counting as break right, because if you're counting everything as break right, meaning Mike McCarthy is suddenly good at coaching again. Then, yeah, (laughs) Dallas has a chance, but he's going to hold that offense back to a certain degree. I don't think he's terrible at offense anymore. He's just outdated. He's never updated. You know what I mean? He, he's still running a fifteen-year-old offense that he ran with Alex Smith in San Francisco. He's never changed. He's incapable do you mean, of changing. What He
0: he had some binders in the background the year after he got fired, and he did all those interviews about how he's a changed guy.
1: You don't believe it? <laughs> no, he's proved he's not a changed guy. He's he saw all the lashes So the, I mean, that that's what if everything breaks right. Okay, then you're. I guess you're counting coaching. If you're counting coaching. To me, I took everything breaks right as all your players break right and your coaches are your coaches because you can't really change. You can't suddenly say so-and-so is a phenomenal coach. You know, Coaches don't really change a whole lot. They are what they are.
0: I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think the Niners are right there. That's That's the thing. And I also think that the depth on this team, especially on the defensive line, like, holy crap, they're going to be running out people like you wouldn't believe. Like, they really have built this team – to sustain injuries. I really think their plan this year is, we know everybody's not staying healthy, but we're gonna, as long as we don't have a bunch of injuries at the same time, we'll be able to keep
1: the boat afloat. All I got to say to that is finally, cause I've been railing about that for the past two years that I've had a podcast that I've been on, get some depth and stop just you know, crossing your fingers going, I hope these people stay healthy, have depth everywhere. Get as much depth as you can at key positions. You know, you're not going to have you're not. It's not capable to have depth at every single position, but there are certain places that depth matters a heck of a lot more. Um, things like the defensive line. You know, we found that out the hard way. We didn't really have anybody else after D 4 last year, and the the only person we had to trust trust is Nick Bosa, and he got injured too. Like there wasn't enough edge rushing. There were two guys that were going to be. That's how our addressing is going to go. These two guys and they both got hurt and they both have injury histories. So they went out and got some depth at the addressing to where we don't really. D Ford is basically icing on top of the cake if he's healthy.
0: Yeah. Like I wouldn't even be that upset if you told me that D Ford's like going to be out until week 12. I'd be like, okay, bring, let him come back in week 12 and put him in only passing situ, you know, pass rush situations. And that's fine. If he plays like 15, 20 snaps a game, but he's there every game, you know, down the stretch, December, January, into the playoffs, I would be 100%. I would happily sign for that right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> with D Ford, if you could just sign up that he's healthy at the end of the year, you would have t- taken that last year too. I
0: mean, Wow, that's true.
1: <laughs> D Ford is uh, very, very injury prone. And at this point, you know that He's more likely to be injured than healthy. So if you could guarantee that he's healthy for the playoffs but not have him for the regular season, I don't know why you wouldn't take that because, especially this year, they're not really counting on him. So if you don't make the playoffs and him being healthy doesn't matter, then you, know, you have bigger problems than that because your team wasn't good enough to get in the playoffs without him.
0: It was really interesting to hear Shanahan and Lynch talk about how they – feel like they've sort of figured out, one, what D Ford's injury is, two, you know, what he can be for them going forward. The fact that they kind of said that they have a handle on that situation was interesting to me, and hopefully they do, and hopefully he can come back uh, and contribute like we talked about. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll give out our training camp awards. And what we mean by that is there are certain articles that come out every single year that you're going to see in the next couple weeks. We're going to try and predict what those will be, when we come back back here on the gold standard podcast, all right, Levin. training camp has started. So, you know, it is only a matter of time before we start to see certain things pop up on 49ers, Twitter, certain articles uh, that are going to appear. Maybe somebody happens to look really, really good. I call it the Trent Taylor article or Solomon Thomas article. Seemingly every July, Solomon Thomas looked awesome for the 49ers in training camp. And every September, he stunk out on the field. So if I could put you on the spot and make you predict, who's going to get your Trent Taylor Award for a training camp article?
1: Well, let me preface this by saying I hope I'm wrong because I actually really like the guy. I liked him before he was a 49er. But I think this has a very obvious answer, and it's Mohamed Sanu. This is a guy that couldn't make the team. Last year, he was around last year and couldn't stay on the field, couldn't make the team, ended up getting cut after he was brought in. And it not like last year was his first year of having issues. The year before, he was in Atlanta to start the year, and he was not nearly as effective. He was averaging less than 10 yards per reception. He got traded uh, towards the deadline to New England. That was seen as, oh, this is a big move. This is going to be the thing that puts New England over the top. And even with Tom Brady as his quarterback, Muhammad Sanu ended up putting up 200 yards in the second half of the season with New England on 26 catches. Once again, couldn't even average 10 yards of reception. And then last year, he starts with Detroit, doesn't do much there, gets let go, gets brought into the Niners. And in the three games that he actually played in, he had one catch for nine yards total. I just, I like the guy. I hope I'm wrong but he's getting hyped as the potential number three and that he's so great and he, he's in ridiculous shape and he did all this off work with Trey Lance and all these things. It's like the dude couldn't even make the team last year when we had a bunch of injuries at the position and now he's getting hyped as the number three receiver?
0: It's already starting. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo in yesterday's press conference, mm-hmm. quote, he looks fucking good, is a direct <laughs> quote from from Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, It's already begun, and I agree with you. Like, what magical thing has happened with Mohamed Sanu at this point in his career where all of a sudden now he looks so amazing, and yet we're already seeing it. And, like, I don't know why we don't apply, like, logic to these situations, but these articles come out every year, and it's just sort of like people just say it, and then they get proven wrong. It just goes away. No one says anything. I think it's ridiculous, but I think you nailed it with that pick. Good job by you.
1: (sighs) Wow, now you're being nice to me. I know. See, I, I'm you. just like a roller coaster of emotions on this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, if that's what you're one thing you're known for, it's your uh, uneven temperament. Um, let's go on the flip side of that. Who do you think will be the guy that everyone freaks out about early in the year, maybe before the year starts, that once the games actually matter is just fine?
1: So, this one, I have a little bit of concern just because. We have now learned that he has an injury, but I had him down first and I'm not going to change because I do think he's the type of person uh, at a position that can't flash in training camp. He's not going to flash in training camp. And that's Javon Kinlaw. He's a run stopping defensive tackle that there's not much to look good in training camp when you're a run stopping defensive tackle. And I think people are just going to start talking about him and how all, you know, he hasn't learned. He, he still doesn't have any good technique. He's just a big body. You know, it's going to be like literally the exact opposite of last training camp. Because if you remember last year, I was constantly complaining because all you ever heard about him, people were like, oh, people are raving about him. They're praising him. And yet all the comments were just, wow, he's a really big dude. <laughs> they're back this year, too. And I think this year it's going to be almost flipped where they're going to say, you know, all he is is a big dude. All he is is a big body. You know, he doesn't really do anything. He's not skilled yet. You know, those type of things. I think it's going to be flipped.
0: Yeah, and the the Kinlaw injury, for those that don't know, uh, Kyle Shanahan said yesterday that he traveled, I guess, in the off season like a month ago, and it swelled up on him. So they might have to drain it. Uh, apparently it's a minor thing. At least that's what they're saying now. But they always like to say that it's a minor thing. And then you find out he's going on the frigging pup list and he won't be there for half the year. Um but I agree with you. Like, that's a really good point about Kinlaw is there's basically nothing he's going to be able to do this training camp that's going to make him flash. And you're going to see people say like, well,
1: DeForest Buckner's really, really <laughs> good. How's DeForest Buckner? I already saw that once. Oh, God. I already saw somebody tweet at somebody over the Kinlaw injury saying, how's DeForest Buckner doing? Get over it.
0: But yeah, like how many <laughs> how long do we have to talk about that? Even I mean, Kyle and John addressed it this week. They were basically like, Yeah, it sucked, but we figured we could do more with the money it would have taken to sign him. And so we did was essentially what they said. And then they were like, We gotta move on now. And I agree. Like they I think they kind of know that it sucked, and they knew at the time that that he was still gonna be a really good player when they got rid of him, but they felt like they didn't have a choice.
1: Yeah, I mean it was the choice of Have your salary crap completely handicapped because he wanted all his money up front. Uh, Lose Eric Armstead and don't have Javon Kinlaw or have Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead and have a little bit more wiggle room on top of that to get things done like they did with George Kittle. George Kittle would have been a more difficult negotiation because they wouldn't have had as much salary cap room.
0: It was the choice between a salary crap and a salary cap.
1: Oh, look at you. You're you on top like of your that? game this episode.
0: <laughs> Woo! Mid-season form, baby. Just <laughs> yes. all right. Uh last question, Levin. Who is the guy that looks great in the preseason that fans are gonna cry about when they don't end up making the team? And if you're wondering what I mean, remember Marcus Rush from a few years ago was leading the NFL in sacks in the preseason, and he could never make the 49ers, and people got all upset and turns out he's played two games for the Jacksonville Jaguars in his entire career and he doesn't have a single stat in any one of them.
1: <laughs> well, the the original one I wrote down cuz I was thinking okay, who's somebody that has either a really good athletic ability or just you know, good regular physical talent that is by, at the bottom of the depth chart and thus is going to play against scrubs at the end of preseason games and get a bunch of stats that don't really mean anything. And the first person that popped in my mind was Josh Rosen. But then uh-huh. I kept thinking, I was like, I don't think anybody cares enough to be upset if he gets cut.
0: Yes, right.
1: And then I, I was like, okay, it's got to be a running back. And so I went and looked to refresh my memory. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the obvious one. It's Michael Hasty. He's probably going to flash in the second half of preseason games. But unless Gallman gets cut for some reason, there's really not a roster spot for him. I don't think that there's a more clear, obvious answer because he is the type of athletic person who is going to flash. And I actually already saw one tweet after I did my research from one of the beat writers saying Hasty looked like really good. Uh, <laughs> so he's already starting to get the hype train. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that you got uh, four guys ahead of him on the depth chart at this point. And it's going to be hard for him to leap any of them.
0: He has a running style, too, where he can he's got a lot of wiggle to him so he can make people miss, especially in a preseason game against the scrub, like you're saying. So, like, people will remember that that highlight will get on Sports Center, and people will be like, "Ooh, that guy looks pretty damn good. And so I could see people get easily attached to him, like you said, especially if he's chewing up yards and, you know, garbage time, basically. That's a really good choice by you. Running back is always a good choice for that. I was thinking maybe like a Travis Benjamin. And the reason I say that is because in the return game, the 49ers seemingly never have a good kick punt returner. They did for a couple of years with Ted Ginn with Jim Harbaugh was really the only time in my life where they had a consistent actual threat at that spot. They were hideous last year. I think they had 11 different people return kicks and punts. Richie James had a couple of fumbles. We all remember Dante Pettis' fumble. That was a backbreaker right before they cut him. Like Benjamin is a guy I think that could flash as a returner and there's going to be a lot of fans out there like me saying, finally, we found one of these guys. Let's keep him on the team. But I think Kyle looks at it. All Kyle ever wants out out of his returners is just catch the damn ball. Just don't take the ball away from my offense and we'll be fine. And so if, if, That's like the only thing that Benjamin can do is return kicks. I don't know that Kyle's going to say that that's valuable enough in his eyes to keep him on the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, Travis Benjamin could also flash him. He's an NFL vet who's probably going to be playing in a backup role, so he's going to get a play against backups, and he's a deep threat, so he could end up having a a long touchdown that everybody remembers in preseason. So it's not a bad pick. You know, I I will say, me personally, (laughs) the punt returning has been – a lot of people have made a big deal about it, whether or not Brandon Ayuk should be returning punts despite being the number one receiver. He should. It, and things like that. It's not important enough. It's not. Unless you are truly a dynamic, really, really good, and I would argue that there's not always one of those even in the league punt returner, there's not a big enough difference between Trent Taylor averaging 9.7 yards last year returning punts, or you know, another guy that's well respected averaging 13. You're talking about like four yards, five yard difference. It's not important enough. It's just not.
0: I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth. But I feel like I kind of agree with Grant Cohn, who says <laughs> get the ball in your most dynamic players' hands as much as possible. And the fact that they have potentially a guy in Ayuk who could be dynamic in that facet of the game, and they are choosing not to put the ball in his hands more, that's hard for me to stomach, especially when the alternatives they've had on the team have been so bad recently.
1: See, I I understand his line of thinking in saying that, but I feel like it's a bit naive thinking, because punt returning is not the same. It's not the same as just to get the ball in his hands, because he's got an entire team of 11 guys in front of him that he's got to make miss it's a different ball game than getting stuff after the catch where you got a couple safeties you got to beat you know what i mean like it's not the same and there's a reason why there are return specialists that are better at it than your ridiculous ridiculously good yard after the catch guy there's a reason why you know terrell owens didn't return punts despite being maybe the best run after the catch receiver of all time in my opinion he probably is because of his blend of speed and power There's a reason why he didn't return punts, because it's not the same thing. It's not. I guess, but I think Ayuk has experience doing
0: it. It's not just that he's a good after-the-catch guy. He has it in his history that he can do it. And so I just, um, I don't want to see these guys back there like Richie. I don't even want to see Richie James in the team this year, to be (laughs) honest with you. Like, I'm tired of it, man. Richie James had two fumbles lost last year. Like, put our studs back there. We got guys. Kyle Shanahan is supposed to be the dude that's going to be able to draw crap up on offense to get guys open, right? Then good. Let Ayuk return punts and kicks. And if he gets hurt, he gets hurt and he can draw up plays for the other guys.
1: Yeah. We're just not going to agree. I just don't think it's important enough. The punting 10 years ago, it would have been important enough, but I believe that punting hang times, the punters have kind of figured out ways to limit returning that the punt returns have really gone downhill. They're just, they're not, they don't happen as often. They're not, they don't average as many yards. It's just not the return in general, because the kick return is pretty much non-existent now because you can touch back every freaking time and go to the 25 yard line. The return game has just kind of become a non-factor in the NFL. And the only way it becomes a factor is if you have like a crazy dynamic returner. And like I said, those are extremely rare and there's not always one of them in the NFL and right now i honestly can't think of somebody that's truly dynamic punt returning i might be forgetting somebody but i can't think of one there's only one person i think could possibly be dynamic in that role but he's not he's used every once in a while when it's important and that's Tyreek Hill
0: that's who i was going to say um and maybe that's something they can do with Ayuk like hey you know what we kind of need a spark here you know maybe we're down by 4 and they're punting and you know sure it'd be Pretty damn sweet if we could begin this drive at, like, the 40 instead of the 20. And maybe they throw him back there then. But, see, I don't like that because it's like he's coming in cold. You know, how often is he getting a chance to do it? How often is he practicing it? You know, that's a, that puts more pressure on his shoulders. Whereas if it was consistently him, like, it'd be just part of his routine. He'd have more experience doing it. So, I don't know. I, I hope at least it happens more than Kyle has inserted guys like that in the past.
1: I mean, you touched on another aspect to it. If Brandon Ayuk is your main punt returner, it means he's got to take practice time away from wide receiver duties to practice returning punts.
0: Stay after practice. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved.
1: Yeah, because that's how it works.
0: Mid-season form, baby. Look, I'm just solving problems. That's all I'm doing here on the Gold Standard Podcast. Everybody, you're welcome. I'm here for you. <laughs> you're
1: starting to sound like a former politician of ours
0: oh how dare you
1: that's the that's the biggest insult you've ever said to
0: me in fact i may even just cut it out of the podcast altogether
1: the fact that you knew exactly what i was talking about tells me you know who you're acting like
0: no no way i'm telling the truth unlike that person so let's just leave it at that is there anything else you want to touch on before we call it an episode
1: when, when's the season get here <laughs> oh. that, that's the mode i get to it's like I, I sit all offseason going. When is training camp? And the moment training camp gets here, I go, okay. When's regular season?
0: <laughs> I'm usually there with you, but like I said, this free Like I want to see Trey Sermon in these games. I want to see how Ayuk looks when he gets in there and, and Debo and like I just give me the football. I don't care if it's reg- regular season, preseason. Like I am here. Give me preseason this weekend. Like what are we doing? Why are we messing around here? Let's go. Fire it up.
1: Yeah. And then the moment first preseason game goes, you go, okay, when is it really going to matter? I'm sick of seeing these scrubs. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm in for it, man. I'm so excited that it's back, that we there's press conferences now. Dudes are talking. We're getting updates. There's actual news like, yes, I am here for all of it and we will be here for all of it for you. We are going to be streaming on the Niners Nation YouTube channel after games. The instant reaction pod that we always do is going to be live streamed as well. We're still going to make a podcast out of it. Don't worry. But if you're fired up like we are, I mean, Levin, you've joined me for a lot of those. The emotions run high on those things. And if you're fired up after the game, depending on what happened, come join us, commiserate with us. Uh, It's a lot of fun to do, and it'd be really cool to get people's comments as we go along. So that's just one of the different things, one of the live streaming uh, opportunities we're going to have for you on the Niners Nation YouTube channel. So you definitely want to subscribe there. Kyle Posey is going to be at practice. He's going to be doing live updates on that YouTube channel as well. There is a ton going on with Niners Nation is the perfect time to mash that follow button, the podcast network, the YouTube channel. This is where you want to be Levin. quite frankly. And I don't know why you're included in that, but you
1: are. I mean, I I was the first one here for you. (laughs) I was the one that you recruited while you were still interviewing. So I don't know why you got to put me down. (laughs) It's amazing. They still gave me the job. I'm not sure how that happened. I've been watching a lot of Moana because I have a little daughter and I have a certain song of you're welcome coming (laughs) to my mind because it could be argued. I mean, you can't disprove it. I might have gotten you the job. Yeah, I can't disprove
0: it. (laughs) By the way, my son was hardcore into Moana when he was your daughter's age. And we must've watched that thing a zillion times. And I have to say, I still like it. I'm still not sick of it. It's a great movie. And I'm sure when my daughter gets a
1: little older, we'll be firing up Moana again. Right. So I was nine years old when Lion King came out. Mm -hmm. That's always been the number one Disney movie in my mind. I got to say Moana's pushing it because Moana's (laughs) good. Moana's songs are ridiculously good and we've officially hit our sidetrack moment of the podcast i was wondering if we were going to get to one (laughs) we normally do but yeah like moana is it's got some jams like i find myself singing those songs in my head throughout the day when i'm at work yeah i'm totally there with you dude
0: i was exactly the same way we would put it on and i would look at my wife and be like how many times have we watched this and i still don't really mind it that much that's an impressive amazing product if you could say that
1: yeah it put it this way it blows frozen out of the water which i still my daughter has still not seen it, unless my wife watched it with her while i was at work and didn't tell me but i'm not a big fan of frozen i think the messages in that are are not great when it comes to Elsa, or that's her name right Elsa? yeah um, Elsa. Uh, she basically is a brat throughout the whole movie for poor me tries to kill her sister and then suddenly you're supposed to celebrate her she tried to kill her sister get out of here
0: i mean who among us with this sibling hasn't done that let's be honest i once had a boxing match with my older brother in the middle of the driveway in the dead of winter
1: that's not trying to kill you that's just trying to knock you out
0: which that's i like, won okay, by the come, way
1: you could come back from that
0: <laughs> <laughs> well clearly you can because we're both still here so but uh, no, I'm I'm with you on the Moana thing, man. It happened. Be happy that that's the one, because there are there's some crap out there that you could have been stuck watching a zillion times. That's that's a that's way worse.
1: You don't know me very well. If I don't like it, it's not getting watched. I'm that type. Like my kid has not seen VeggieTales. My kid has not seen Paw Patrol or any of that stuff, and never will, because I'm not going to allow that addiction to even become a possibility. Because I will lose my. Ever loving mine and probably break my TV if I have to watch that stuff over and over.
0: Paw Patrol is not that bad. My son liked Paw Patrol for a little while. There's the different <laughs> dogs there. You got, okay, I don't remember. Oh, Chase, yeah, that was one of them. Like that. That's not the worst thing. There. Get into, uh story not story bots although that's good too. What's the other one? Octonauts. There you go on Netflix. That's pretty good too. So there, you're it. welcome.
1: I, I'm more the type of I'm gonna get my daughter into marvel movies she's seen some of the marvel movies yes. she likes them because they're colorful they're action they're fat fast moving and honestly from being like three months old she is always like if sports come on tv she's like in a trance and i think it's like the bright colors and like i said moving yeah she literally like goes into a trance and just wants to sit there and watch it so you know i i guess she's really mine If I get a
0: 94 Niners like highlight video and just show that on loop, then you, you know, just indoctrinate her right into the faithful.
1: Yeah, so that's how I am. Like I will control the things that she loves by spamming the things I like and refusing to allow the things that I would lose my mind having to watch over and over.
0: There you go. I'm Rob statz Guerrero. That's overbearing father, Levin Black.
1: (laughs) This is the Gold Standard
0: Podcast. Enjoy your week, everybody. Enjoy the news coming in. Let it wash over you. And we will talk to you next week.